We are in week one of this part two fall semester, and we are going to be talking about the priesthood. We have gone through and taught this last semester on how the blueprint to how to have a spirit-filled home. But now we're going into the, the God's blueprint for a spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life is so important to see anyone else's life's change that you're connected to. I'm going to say it again. If you want to see the people that are closest to you and around you, their lives change or altered, it begins with your life. It's just the way it is. And what greater source to plug into than God? There's no other. There's no other. The royal priesthood is something that we learn by the Old Testament to teach us into a New Testament concept. It's there. It's in the New Testament. In fact, let me just read you this insert here in the syllabus where it says, in the Old Testament, the role of the kings and priests were diff very different. Each role had distinct capacities. A king was able to make authoritative decrees, while the priest did not have that authority to do so. But the priest, however, held the right to offer sacrifices and to apply the blood of the sacrifice. If you weren't neither, then you would be quite limited as a believer. But now if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you have become a royal priest. The royal priesthood. The royal priesthood is a combination of king, a kingly anointing, and the priestly anointing. Under a new covenant, God begins to merge the two worlds. And we're going to show you biblically how these two worlds collide, how you are part of that, and what is our role. And if you get this principle and strategy today, you can apply it to your life. You're going to see heaven in your world begin to function. You're going to see the kingdom of God manifest. You're going to see the hand of God in your life. You're going to see heaven begin to open up doors for you that you could never open by yourself. You're going to see hell pushed back to get away from your family, your finances, your career, and every area of your life. I'm going to keep on saying things until I get a good response where you believe. You're going to see the floodgates of heaven wash out the enemy, wash out every curse, wash out all distractions. Somebody's fixing to have a life-altering experience and get a revelation of who you are and what God can do. If you believe that, say, I believe it and I receive it right now. First Peter chapter 2, we're just getting started. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says it like this in the New King James. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So, you know, you got to read the Bible with sincerity if you're going to want, if you want to grow. You have to read the word of God if you're going to grow. If indeed you have tasted of the Lord and that he's gracious. How many of you know that God is gracious? 
How many of you have ever tasted of the Lord's presence and know God is good? Coming to him as to a lively stone, rejected, speaking of him, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. Now, look at the verbiage here. If you read the verbiage correctly, he is actually describing the temple. Us as being part of the edifice of the temple of God. He says, listen to this. You also as lively stones are being built up a, built up a spiritual house. That's what, we, what happens when we all come together. First of all, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when we all come together in the mind of God and in the heavens, what happens is we are all compressed by the chief cornerstone, the foundation built upon the apostles and the prophets, the word of God, and we are fitly framed together and we grow into a holy habitation of God in the spirit according to Ephesians. But then it says... A holy, verse 5, a holy priesthood. That's who we are. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, contain spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You mean I can offer up spiritual sacrifices? Yeah. First of all, the ultimate sacrifice has already been given. And through that ultimate sacrifice, you are able to offer God your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But it goes on further, and it says this, verse 6. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, speaking of Jesus. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But he says this to them. But you are a chosen generation. Everyone read this with me. A royal priesthood. You now, Peter, I believe, is writing to the church, and I believe they're comprised of Jewish people because Peter was sent to the Jew, and Paul was sent to the Gentile. So when he's speaking here, he's speaking in temple terms of the edifice, the body. They get it. He's using the analogy of how they were raised, and they understood the temple building, and he's trying to give them a spiritual analogy to let them know that they are the temple of God, and what the foundation is, and who they are in that responsibility, they are royal priests. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I believe that's also t temple talk. Because they, as priests, would walk in and have the menorah, the seven, seven candlesticks of God, which I believe represents the seven spirits of God found in Isaiah. If you want to write it down, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 2. 
the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You see, one day you were without wisdom, but God brought you out of darkness into that marvelous light of understanding to see, to know, to understand, to know how to make a good decision and have the fear of God in your life. And so that's what he translated us out of, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Somebody lift up your hands and tell them, thank you, Jesus. If you understand the biblical concept of what is really happening today, it's not about just coming to church. It's about understanding the church and who we are. And you're more than just a group of people that show up on Sundays. You are the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are a royal priesthood. And God has a responsibility for you. And you're going to see heaven open up over your life if you follow this lesson today. So somebody say, in Jesus' name, bless this lesson, bless this teaching. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap and ahead of time and just tell him thank you. Come on, by faith, just tell him thank you for giving me understanding. Turn to somebody and tell them I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here and thank you for coming to worship. You've got to take some notes today. I promise you you're not going to want to miss this. Things are going to come out that aren't in my notes you can't find it online except you watch this again. I wasn't raised in church like we have now. I personally was raised in a denomination where before you walked into the pew and sat down, you had to sprinkle water on your head. If you didn't, you're in trouble. And if you didn't kneel down before you walked into the aisle, you were being disrespectful. And if you didn't shake the priest's hand before you left the church, you got in trouble again. Just full of ideas and images in my mind that, that I remember as a kid of what church was and, what a, and who a priest was. So there are different practices that I saw that they did and performed and things in the church that I went to. And for 19 years of my life, that's what I was under. That's what I knew. But then I started understanding something different after God saved me and I was born again. And I started reading the Bible. Then I started getting this understanding over a process of time through my commitment. I realized that probably my commitment was there and God was putting things in my heart. And he was in my schedule every day. And I was so committed that I didn't even have to try because I had a desire bringing me into his presence. How many of you have ever felt a desire from God just, just bringing you, calling you to prayer? How many of you have ever been watching something and you're relaxing, having a great time, then all of a sudden you feel that calling to prayer? And you're like in that moment thinking, okay, I have to either go pray, push pause, or just drop the whole movie, and what are you going to do? How many of you have ever not been obedient to that call before and it never came back? And you're kind of like, oh, man, I missed it. And you try to go back into it, and it just wasn't the same. It is something about our commitment to God. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't have a clue, maybe. Hang around long enough, you'll get it. Because God requires commitment. God requires a hungry heart. God requires consecration. The awesome thing about a new covenant relationship with God is that we don't have to try so hard. God puts his word inside of our life. He puts a new heart inside of us, a new desire inside of us. And I saw myself having a regular schedule and a routine. But when I understood what the scripture said later in my life that we are a royal priesthood, I didn't get it until I understood the actual system of the tabernacle. I didn't get it. Until I understand the system, understood the system. And that's why we've taught this in the last semester and taught this also in the first part of this semester on having a spirit-filled home. We taught about the tabernacle. We've taught you that the priest would come into the holy place, that the high priest was in the most holy place. We taught the patterns that were there in the scripture how they simultaneously correlate with the new testament if you've been through our born again bible study you're going to see that there is a correlation in that old testament to the new testament and what it means to be born again of the water and of the spirit everything led to us becoming a priesthood everything has led to jesus becoming our high priest And there are two worlds that collide when we go into prayer. When you're going into prayer, not only are you going in as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as a citizen of the kingdom, you are going into prayer as part of the royal priesthood. This is where the two worlds collide. I want to show you this slide right here. I want you to understand one thing when you hear royal priesthood. The first part of that identity is concerning the kingdom. Royalty, royal, means that you are committed or you are part of something that is much more majestic, higher in authority and in government, and has more significance than what you have in this world. The kingdom of God is greater. Because of its king that's present. It's the king that makes it such a great kingdom. You want to know what's going to make heaven great? It's not what's there, but who's there. Because God is there. Because Jesus is there. It's going to be great. And the omnipresence and omniscience of God and potency of God is going to be there in its fullness. And there will be no limitations in our old nature because we all take on a new form, a new nature. I like what the Apostle Paul said. Behold, I, I, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment of a twinkling of an eye at the trump, for the trump shall sound, and we all shall be changed. For this corruptible shall take on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. And we will all be changed. You're not going to have the same body. You see, the kingdom of God is great. The kingdom of God is powerful. And it goes beyond this world, but we are here to experience the first fruits of it. The royal side. There is a royal side, a royal side to this experience. 
because of who is in the kingdom, Jesus. And you have to understand that the royalty of God requires honor, submission, and, and respect. Because of his authority, because of his royalty, he has all power. Jesus was given the right after his resurrection when he said to the apostles, all power, all power. Say with me, all power. See, what that means is, is that, you know, in this world, there is no limitation. All power in heaven and in earth, he said. So the authority that God had given to Jesus, he has now the authority over everything within the heavens. And even the third, the second, and this realm here. That means there is no demonic spirit that has more power than Jesus. There's no authoritative figure in this world that has more authority than Jesus. There is nothing. The heavens and the earth bow to him. He is the king of king and the Lord of lords. That's why when Jesus walked in this world and you saw him step on the beach, the demonic spirit, the man who was filled with legions of angels, had no other option but to come and bow before him. That's why when he walked in this world, there was no disease that he could not cure. There wasn't a disease he couldn't. He cured all of them, healed every person he came in contact with. There was no person that had a demon that, they, 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 that he couldn't cast out. All authority. And if we understand the, world side, the royalty side of, of who we are in him, then we can have the limits taken off of our life. And there is nothing that can stop Jesus in you. The priest represents the government representative, the governmental representative. You see, it's like when God first established his government in the earth, it was like a theocracy. A theocracy. A theocracy is where a government is ruled by men in a religious organization. On behalf, they rule on behalf of God. And God rules through that government of priests and servants. But a kingdom is completely ran by the king and by his decree. So under an old covenant, it looked like a theocracy. But then... They wanted to move out from the prophets and the men of God, and they wanted a king. So he gave them Saul. And when Saul failed, he had to put David there, and then Solomon. And then they still lost the kingdom. So kings couldn't fulfill that. But what Jesus did was, not only did he become high priest, he became the king of kings. And he merged the two worlds. He merged those two worlds. And then him becoming high priest and king, he established something so unique that had never been done called a royal priesthood. Did you catch that? Something that had never been done before, he established a royal priesthood. 
A few weeks ago, I showed this to my sons, and I, and I explained to them the two worlds that collide. And I want to show you this slide right here, the next slide. We've taught that out of the covenant, out of the Ark of the Covenant, was the, the, the rod of Aaron, the stone tablets, and the manna, which represented the high priest, the law, and the bread. If you don't understand it, go back and watch last semester's sermons or listen to the podcast. But that's what we've learned here, right? Those were in the presence of God. We learned that the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God, and we understood that the presence of God is where? Come on, come on, everybody. In us. Why? Because we are the what? Temple. Okay, so now, but here's the correlation. That was the most holy place, which was the Holy Spirit. But on the other side, where the priests were, the, the earthly side, when you look at the priest on that end, it required a continual scent, an altar of incense to rise up, which we learned was prayer. And through prayer in this physical world, we have made a connection with our high priest who intercedes for us with growings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is. How many of you know that when you go into prayer, Jesus intercedes for you, helps you, encourages you, comforts you? This is what the Holy Ghost does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. But you have to understand the schedule are the pattern that was given for the priest to light that altar of incense was supposed to be kept in the evening at twilight and in the dawn of the day in the morning, twice a day, to keep consistency around the clock. And they did it when they lit the candlesticks. We've learned that also that the light is really representation of understanding. When light illuminates you, you're not no longer in darkness. You're in his marvelous light. Marvelous, mind you. Not just any light, a marvelous light. Clarity, understanding. This is where I reference Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And through the word of God that he placed within our hearts, through the light of God, the spirit of God, he illuminates his word to give us wisdom, knowledge, the fear of the Lord. Because see, a lot of people don't have the fear of God. The fear of God is missing because of God's graciousness and what he did and took the judgment out at Calvary, and so many times we just overlook the consequences. But the consequence is this. If you walk away from God, you're going to walk in darkness and you'll fall into a ditch. And everyone else that you're leading is going to fall in the same rut and get into the same problem in the same circumstances. A lot of times when we walk into trouble, it's because we don't have any light. A lot of times our drama comes from our darkness. But when you're walking in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus forgives you of all your sins. Because you can find your way back. And then I lead you to the last one again. And the parallel here, do you see the parallel between 
the most holy and the holy place. The bread. We learn that the body of Christ was given and we withdraw by faith to experience the benefits of Calvary. On the other side was the manifestation and God gave them the bread, the 12 loaves for every tribe to remind them of the provision of God and they would eat it when necessary, but it was there in the holy place for consumption that they would remember of God's provision. All of these we have access to. We have access to the high priest who intercedes for us to let heaven come into earth. We have access to the wisdom of God some people pray for blessings when most of the time God wants to give you wisdom to be a blessing. Amen. Understanding to get out of your poverty or to get out of your trouble. And, and that's where light comes in. It's hard to walk in darkness. It's hard to walk in a dark place and not have direction. But if you've got a bright and a marvelous light, you can see every move you need to make. You can see every step that you have to take. And sometimes the wisdom of God, like an awesome, uh, uh, like a professional chess player, the wisdom of God sometimes will make moves for you that you had no idea can be made. I've seen it happen. But the manifestation of everything on this side of heaven, it all comes from being a priest on this side. Because the hard part's been done. The king and our high priest is now giving you his spirit to withdraw from heaven. This is where heaven meets earth. Here's what I want to give you. Point number one. When the priests do their part, God does his part. When the priests do their part, God does his part. This is what happened to Israel. When Israel was in the wilderness and they were going to the promised land, the fear of God fell upon all of their enemies. I shared this not too long ago again. The scripture says that there was a fear that fell on the heart of all of God's people's enemies because they had heard what God had done and they knew what God can do. That was part of the recipe for their victory over their enemies. Did you know the devil is more afraid of you than you are of him? Did you know that your problem is more fearful of the authority inside of you your circumstances are nothing compared to the power and the authority and the majesty of Almighty God. How many spirit-filled believers do we have in this building that know your authority and know what your God can do? Someone say, my God is able. My God is more than able. When the priests do their job, God will do his. Exodus chapter 30, verse 7 and 8 says, Aaron was instructed to burn the incense on the altar each morning and at twilight every day, every day, as a regular offering to the Lord. Every day. I'm going to remind you of a, of a strategy that I think that if, you're, if, if you don't hear anything else from me today or in this lesson, but catch this, it'll change your life. 
It will change your life. If you want to start hearing good reports every week, if you want to start seeing the hand of God every day, every day, if you're tired of getting bad phone calls and you want to hear good phone calls and get good reports, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, this is what you have to do. And it's found in the scripture, and it's a principle that we overlook because we don't see ourselves as a royal priesthood. How many of you want to see this? Here's what you do. You follow Exodus chapter 30, verse 7. You light the incense, which was a type of prayer, in the morning, but first in the evening. This is a routine in my life that took me some time because of my self-will, because of my soul, because every soul is rebellious. I don't care who you are. You're going to rebel. I don't care who you are. When you know you got to pray and it's time to pray, you're going to say it and your soul's going to say, I don't feel like it. What's the use? I've done that already. I did yesterday. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> It'll say all kinds of stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. You're wondering, where in the world did that come from? That's a devil. It's not the devil. It's you. Your soul can your, I'm going to tell you something right now. Your soul, your old nature, your, your, your own it will say things that you think are the devil, and it's not. It's your old nature. Try doing without something you're used to to find out whether or not you worship it or not and see what yourself says. So sometimes you just got to say, self, shut up. And not give it a place. But if you'll go into prayer, and I'm not talking about asking God for something more than I am decreeing a thing by your royal right. By your royal right. We are made kings and priests. Get this now. You have to see yourself as this. Not because you're good. Not because you're smart. Not because you're good looking. Not because of your, your family. Not for anything else except by right of the cross. And as a king in the spirit. Because listen, there may be some of you that got nice bank accounts, but you're poor in the spirit. I felt that. Man. I felt that. This came out. That's how you know it's God. You don't think about it. It just kind of comes out. I'm just telling you right now. Your authority. You want to know how much, how, how wealthy you are, how, uh, how much authority you've got? Uh, let's see if demons respond to you. Your royalty in the kingdom is giving you the right to make a decree and to release the kingdom's military. Every king has military might. You think our king doesn't have military might? Let me tell you something. Only a third of the angels were cast down. The two-thirds of them, they're still there in operation. And we don't know what that number is. I believe it's no less than the gazillion, if that's even a number. In the gazillions, is that even a 
whatever. You've got two angels per devil that have, what's this? One's good enough. But I'm just telling you that have the authority from the king of the universe that formed the heavens and the earth to carry out a decree according to his will being done in your life. And when you go into the night season and you begin to speak over the night, Here's what you're doing. I'm giving you the secret. Here's what you're doing. I have taught this many times, but we learn by repetition. And we have so so many new people. You're going into the night outflanking the enemy. Before they can carry out their assignment, do you know what hell does to ruin your day? It starts planting seeds and ruining your night. When you go to bed... You think the devil's going, oh, they're going to bed. It's time for us to sleep. Devils don't get sleepy. Angels don't get sleepy. God doesn't sleep nor slumber. He that keepeth Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. The spirit world does not rest. Your flesh becomes weary. You go to bed. While everybody's asleep, what do you think and what do you think hell is doing? The parable said that when there was a farmer, he went out there to check on the crop, and there were tares and weeds. And they said, they said, Master, there's tares among the wheat. They said, when did it happen? They said, and the, and the, 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 and the master said, it was when y'all were sleeping. The enemy sowed seeds while you were sleeping. If you'll learn how to dominate the night, when you wake up in the morning, you make the decree and release order for the day. You call the shots according to God's word and God's plan for your life how the day's going to go and the reason why you're going to be effective in the morning is because you took care of business and allowed God to do something in the night season because here's what happens if you don't when you wake up in the morning now you got to deal with every seed and every demonic spirit every bad dream every negativity that was sown into somebody else's life or your own life or in your own house or things that you don't even know. There's a gateway. Your thoughts produce gateways. You need to write that down. You want to know how people get possessed or how people get oppressed? It's because of thoughts. What you meditate on, what you think about, it's a gateway. And when you're dreaming, your body doesn't know the difference between reality and fiction. And when you're sleeping, that's where hell is there if it has an avenue. But if you prayed up before you went to bed or even when it just the sun goes down, sometimes I'll pray right when the sun goes down out of obedience. Sometimes I do it late at night. Sometimes, but most of the time, whenever I do it, I believe God honors it, and he now begins to control that evening because the evening really is the start of the day. So I'll do things like pray and pray in the spirit, and I'll be my tongues change even that as well. I'm going to tell you something. For those of you who pray in the spirit and those of you that are curious about it and those of you that want it, let me help you understand something. The Holy Ghost takes a hold of your spirit and intercedes through that, and you start praying in tongues that you never understood. I have heard Asian tongues and Indian tongues come out of me. No joke. I shared that with a friend one day, and he said, you know, those are the top two warriors in the world from the tribes of Asians and Indians. 
it's mesmerizing to me because I understand what I feel also, a different type of authority, a different type of a spirit. I'm speaking to spirit-filled people who know how to release themselves to God. When the priests do their part, God will do his. And when you wake up in the morning, in the book of Job, it says this, have you commanded your morning? As the sun rises in its strength, so God, arise and let your enemies be scattered. This is, this is biblical. If you'll get the routine and get consistent, focus on conquering one day, then repeat it. Then repeat it. Here's point number two. The kingdom will manifest if the priests keep their schedule. The kingdom will manifest if the priest keep their schedule. What was the schedule? Evening, morning. People ask me, what about the midday prayer? Here's what I've learned, and here's two things you need to remember. How do you know how long to pray? I pray till I can't stop praying. That's it. Once you catch a spirit of prayer, you leave your home. I'm going to tell you your home because that's where you wake up before you do anything. That's where you should seek God in the morning. And you can't stop. And throughout the day, you live in a spirit of prayer. Just the way it is. How do you maintain that? By listening to worship music, listening to the word of God. That's right. Listen, audible. If you're going to use technology, use it now to your, to your, advance, to your advantage. The audible Bible, I love it. It's on our app. Download our app. Listen to the audio Bible. You can go through a book in five hours, four hours, three hours. You can go through the Bible one month. I'm just saying. What I'm telling you is, is that maintaining the spirit of prayer is by maintaining your thought process. And then when morning has passed and you're throughout the day, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is going to just, something's going to go off in you. And you're going to be like, even when you're around friends, you're going to kind of be like, hey, guys, I got to go to the restroom. You ain't got to go to the restroom. You just got to go pray. I gotta, I'll be back in a minute. You go in your car, go in your truck. You're going to find yourself in these places like this because something's going off. <laughs> and then when nighttime comes, you get into the routine. It's not even hard to pray anymore. Now you're like, you, t you turn into this, the, the, this, this monk. <laughs> Not monkey, monk. <laughs> For lack of better expression, I don't know how else to explain this, but you find yourself wanting to go in seclusion, wanting to be alone with God, wanting to seek his face. And if you'll keep the schedule, you're going to see things change. Because now you have dominated by the power of God. You have allowed him as a priest to go from the unseen to the seen. And he is manifested in your life through, listen to this, your prayers as a priest, the light, marvelous light, through your understanding and spirit, and through the faith of withdrawing from heaven and the benefits of Calvary, you're going to see the manifestation. The word becomes flesh again. The bread of life. It manifests. 
and it will begin to feel. Just like the altar of incense fill the whole temple. That's why the ministers, they had a hard time sometimes to walk because that's why they needed light as well. Because it would fill the temple. God's presence will fill your home, fill your life, fill your, I'm telling you right now, it will happen. I want, can, I, can I read you something God gave me in prayer? Can I read that to you? Would that, would that, raise your hands if you're okay with that. I'm coming to a close. I'm coming to a close. Is anybody getting this right now? I'm trying to help you. I'm giving you strategy. I'm giving you strategy. It works. It works. I'm telling you, it works. The kingdom of God is organized, and it requires the royal priesthood to have a schedule. Now, I've said this once, and I'll say it probably a thousand more times. Hell is organized. And the reason why the church isn't dominating in the world is because it's unorganized. Not organized religion, organized in relationship. Jesus wants to be number one in our life. But if we can ever synchronize with eternity, the kingdom will begin to manifest itself in every area of our personal life. If we could ever synchronize our scheduled time with eternity. Synchronize. That's a key word. It's all about being synchronized with God's timing. He ever wondered how you could end up at the right place at the right time? It's because if you've ever been there and met the right person at the right time, or God connected you with the right people, and you met somebody that was part of your future, it was because you're synchronized with heaven. Or you met an opportunity, and you thought to yourself, had I not been there uh, 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 an hour before, or an hour later, or a minute before, or a minute later, I would have missed this. But not if you're synchronized with heaven, and God does that just to show you how precise he is. I just gave somebody something really rich right there. There's more. Someone say there's more. God has more. Jesus wants to be number one. Okay, but if we cannot, but if we can ever get synchronized with the with eternity, the kingdom will begin to manifest itself in our personal life, our family life, community, and the world. Some give up too easily and way too early before they see the momentum God wants to give. Some give up way too early. But watch this. Watch this. When God gives you momentum, nothing in the world can stop it. Watch this. Except your unorganization. When God gives you momentum, the only thing that can stop it from happening continually is our unorganization, not having him scheduled. Failing to make time for God is failing to make room for God. That's what I felt in prayer. It's so rich, but that's the key. You see, there are dreamers and there are doers, and there are some that do both. 
Not only do you got to be a hearer of the word, but you have to be a doer of the word. And when you're a doer of the word, you become more sensitive to his voice. And when you become more sensitive to his voice, he begins to lead you and guide you. And there's something that illuminates inside of you. And there's a wisdom that comes, an understanding, a knowledge. There's counsel from above, the fear of the Lord. There's power. I'm telling you, the light of God is marvelous. It's marvelous. if, If this... If these scriptures resonate with you, give me some holler back this Sunday morning, okay? Watch this. Watch this. Here we go. Here we go. If this resonates with you, just give God some praise and say, 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may obtain it. Somebody say run. There's a time to walk, but there's a time to run. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Woo! Turn to somebody and tell them, don't get discouraged. Don't get sad. Your blessing, the momentum, the breakthrough is just around the corner. Somebody give God praise. Come on, Haley. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is what? He is your king. He is your God. He is a great provider. He is a miracle worker. He is a healer today still. He is a miracle worker And that, watch this now, and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Diligently, diligently, what does that mean? Day after day, night after night, hour after hour, minute after minute. I will bless the Lord all my soul and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody say all the time. God is good and God is good. All the time. All the time. Diligently when things are going bad. When things are going good. When you lost hope. When there is hope. I can't go by my feelings. I got to go by who he is and what his majesty demands of me. And I'm not just anybody. I'm part of a royal priesthood. I'm connected to a kingdom. I'm connected to a king. And there are others relying on my consistency. There are others relying on my prayers. My family is relying on my worship. My family is relying on my praise. My family is relying on my commitment. I am not just anybody. I am a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And I have a high priest. And I have a king and I am under authority and this government and this government shall never end 
Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I'm going to tell the men something. I've got this screensaver on my phone. It's a screensaver of an, Olympic, of, a, of an athlete, not an Olympic athlete, but an athlete. Maybe the special needs Olympics because he has no legs. His name is Zion. And he does races and he wrestles. And I got a picture of another man by the name of Nick who has no arms and no legs, who's a world-renowned speaker, international speaker, international author, has a beautiful wife and beautiful kids. And in the middle of those two pictures of these two individuals on my phone, it says, no excuses. There's no excuse for me not to pray. There's no excuse for me not to fulfill my responsibility. There's no excuse for me not to come to church because I don't feel good when I need to be here. There are times I take out for my marriage and for my family like everyone should do. But there's no excuse for me not to worship. There is no excuse for me not to be consistent. There's, I'm, I have to just, I have to tell you, I just have to say this, and this isn't towards anybody in particular, but to all men, you have no excuse. If you're, if, listen, if you got a hormonal problem, go see a doctor or ask God to heal you. Because if you're governed by emotion, I'm going to tell you, dude, you're a man. I know that sounds old school. I'm not trying to be abrupt and be rude. But I got to tell you, where are the men? I got to ask, where are the men? God's given us the authority to dominate our atmosphere and protect our families, our marriages, our children. Men, royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Men that don't give up in prayer. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say something to the men because I got to stir your hearts and you can be mad at me all you want to. I got thick skin. But I got to tell you, never let your wife outpray you. Never, I'm going to tell you right now, never, ever, if you're married, never let your wife outpray you, outworship you, and outserve you in any way. Not because you're in competition, because God said, let the greatest among you be the least. And in the kingdom of God, he came into this world and took on the form of a servant. And he took off his garments and he washed the feet of his disciples. And he began to serve the greatest, the greatest leader, the greatest man there ever was. The God and human flesh came into this world, bowed down and watched some, and, and cleaned the feet of 12 stinky fishermen, tax collectors, and people, and that wasn't when they had Nike Air. They were all wearing chanclas. 
cochino dirty. We're talking dirty, dirty. But Jesus didn't complain. But Jesus knelt down. But our God left heaven, the throne, a kingdom when there was no tears, no sorrow, no pain. He left that world to come into this miserable world and say, Father, forgive them. And he beckoned his disciples and said, could you not pray with me just for an hour? I'm going to challenge every man in this building. Can you not pray to just one hour? Can you not pray and give your time to God in the morning, in the evening? Can you not make it your lifestyle? Can you do it? If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family. Do it for your marriage. Do it for your children. Do it for the future of the next generations. I'm just saying, men, it's time for the men to rise up and become men. It's time for the women to back up and love their husbands and pray for their husbands and not call up somebody to talk about what they did wrong. I'm all over the place this morning, but I'm telling you right now, we're trying to encourage every family to rise up above, rise up above the places where there's neglection. Here's what I want to leave you with. When we neglect our responsibility as priest, we choose to live below royal privileges. When we neglect our responsibility as priest, we choose to live below royal privileges. When you walk out of your home, you're going to get to a place. I'm going to prophesy to somebody here. You're going to get to a place that when you walk out into the world, there's going, to be a, there's going to be an angel walking out with you every day to protect you. And there's going to be one for every one of your family members. There's going to be one for your children, one for your wife, or one for your house. If you're single, you're going to walk out of your home with, with God's protection, with God's favor. There's going to be, there's going to be an, an anointing over your life that it's not just going to be about making a connection between your business and yourself. It's going to be about making a connection between a human being who Jesus died died for and getting them connected to Calvary to show them that there's a better way. God has called us to make a difference in the world. I just want you to lift up your hands right now and surrender to him as priest. I want everybody, if you will, let's just gather together in this one moment. Families together. If you're here with your family, daddies with your sons, mamas with your daughters, husbands and wives together. Let's agree together as for me and my house. We're going to serve God and we're going to surrender to God and we're going to let God do something in our midst. Every, every leader, every father, every husband, pray, pray, pray over your family. Speak over them right now and say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we break the pride. We break the arrogance. We break the barriers. We break the walls. No more limitations. No more limitations of God in our family. We're going to see the heavens open up. We're going to watch earth collide with heaven. We're going to see barriers broken. We're going to see generational curses done away with. We're going to have no more division in our home. There's going to be no more, no more, no more, no more. Peace, 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 and nothing but peace in our home. Love, love in our home. All of our family will be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
all of our family will be filled with the Holy Ghost. We bless our lives. We bless our homes. We surrender to God. We surrender to God. We surrender to God right now. We surrender to God right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We're not just anybody. We're somebody in the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, give us a spirit-filled life. Give us a spirit-filled life. Give us a spirit-filled life, Lord. Meet us when we kneel down to prayer. Meet us when we commune with you. Meet every family here. Let the presence of God fill every home. Fill every family. Fill our work. Fill our businesses. Fill our co-workers. Every relationship, God. Let every rough place become smooth. Let every rocky place become smooth. Give us light in darkness. Give us light and understanding in darkness. Let there be an illumination in our hearts. Let us have God direction for our families, for our marriages, for our loved ones, for our friends, for those around us. And we're going to praise you and thank you and give you the highest praise. And somebody, if you don't mind, tell God hallelujah, thank you, and give him a shout of praise in this place. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.